It's good to see each of you here this evening. We're turning in our Bibles tonight to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. And we want to read just one verse, and that is verse 52, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 52. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Let's look to the Lord again in prayer. Our Father, we're so grateful to uh, each and every time that we come to your house here, the house of the local church. And we're so thankful for the fellowship that we have around your word and with one another. And fellowship is so important. it's, it's, what, it's like iron sharpening iron, and it sharpens the countenance of one another. And we just, uh, we just share our burdens, and we, we talk about what the Lord is doing, and it's just a great time. And, and we thank you for the singing, Lord, the, being able to lift up our voices and singing. We know that heaven is going to be filled with singing. And we're going to be uh, grateful to join that heavenly choir one day soon and sing the praises of our Savior. And tonight we just pray that you'll uh, bless this word to each of our hearts. And we pray it in our Savior's name. Amen. In Matthew 13, verse 52, we read about a scribe. A scribe. A scribe is a writer, someone who studies and keeps records, someone who is instructed in the kingdom of heaven is, and is also a, a man of a householder, as a householder, the head of the family that brings uh, forth out of his treasure things new and old. The word, the Greek word treasure in the Strong's Concordant, is a a deposit or wealth. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then verse 7 says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And in First Chronicles chapter twenty-seven, we there's a there's a there's a scribe that's mentioned in that passage. It's his name was Jonathan, and the Bible says that Jonathan was one of the several officers of King David. And it says that Jonathan, David's uncle, was a a counselor 
a wise man and a scribe. And so we read in our opening verse, therefore every scribe who is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is likened to a householder which bringeth forth out of his treasures things new and old. And this message tonight is going to uh, address some of the blessings of that. You know, parents are householders to their to their own children in the home. And, and you teachers uh, are God's record keepers of the Christian classroom and the, uh, the children that's under your care and your watchfulness. And teachers do that. They bring out things new and old from the treasures of God's word to, the young, to these young hearts. And the word of God tells us that as New Testament believers that we are God's priests. We are priests of God. And the priesthood of the believer in the New Testament is God's priest in the service of God. And, and in fact, the, the New Testament priest serves in a, in a very special priesthood, a holy, a holy priesthood, and also in a priesthood that is royal, a royal and holy priesthood. A holy priesthood, it's a, it's a very, very special priesthood because as the Greek word holy implies, uh, that's Greek word number 934 in your Hebrew, Greek, Greek dictionary, it also, holy, a holy priesthood, it also means a kingly, a kingly priesthood, a sovereign priesthood. And so to everyone who has put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're truly born again, they're in God's family, you're now priests. You're priests. And a holy and, and, and a sovereign and a kingly and a royal priest. You're in that priesthood. That, that is something that I'm afraid we don't think that much about as we go through our day-to-day -day activities. But when you read it out of the word of God, God, God makes a lot of emphasis on it. And you might, you might say or you might think, well, I don't feel like this every day in my everyday life. I just don't feel like that. Well, why not? Why not? We don't live by our feelings. We live by faith. We live by faith in the word of God. And if we read... And, and if we read more and studied our Bibles more, we would know more about this royal priesthood. It's a royal priesthood. It's not just the priesthood. This is a royal priesthood. We should know more about what it truly is. We should know more about what it means to Christ, who is our heavenly priest. And we read in... 2 Corinthians, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for him, for his sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts. That same God that shined the light out of darkness, he has shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is heavenly. This is heavenly truth. But, but it comes down to earth where we live as well. And, and we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and, no, and not of us. It's not of us. We know. What do we know? We know that all things work together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. That's a truth that you can park on for a while, meditate on for a while. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. It's, it's not our purposes. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, Christ knew us before he even created the worlds in an eternity past. For whom he did foreknow, even before he made the worlds, and with his, this, this foreknowledge, he predestinated us to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we read in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30 and 31 and 32, for whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And, and them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Paul says, what shall we then say to these things? What shall we say to these things? If God so called us, if he ordained us in the eternity past, how shall he not with Christ freely give us all things? God does not withhold from his people anything that we need in our Christian life, anything that will develop Christ in us. Anything that will, will strengthen our lives and strengthen the lives of others and cause it, any of that, he will not withhold any of that. So as a holy priesthood and as a royal priesthood, the duties of the New Testament priests as, as lively stones or living stones is to be built up. That's, that's what God is doing. That's what he does in the local church. It's what he does in our lives. We're living stones. In Revelation, John said to the seven churches in Asia these words in, in chapter 1 and verse 4. Grace be to you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, 
and hath made us kings and priests. And unto God the Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Bible tells us in, in Corinthians that even though our outward man is perishing, this old outward man, the flesh, even though our outward man is, is perishing, there's another man, there's an inward man that is being renewed day by day. It's the work of God. And Paul said, for our light affliction, that's amazing words coming from a man that suffered in his lifetime what he did for the cause of Christ. Because he included himself. He said, for, for our light infliction, that included Paul, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, it's, it's easy to get our eyes off the Lord. We do it all the time and off of his will, and get it on the circumstances of life. And when we find ourselves doing that, we need to know also how to reverse that and know that, that God is working all things after the counsel of his own will. And, and, and if we are afflicted, it's a light an affliction. It would be interesting to one day in heaven ask the Apostle Paul, Paul, how, how, could you, how could you save our light affliction? So God gives to you, to us, he gives us the light of the glory of God. He gives to us in our inward man the light of of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And as scribes, the scribes bring out things new and old of, of this treasure. It's been said that many of the old things are types, types in the Old Testament. And the new things are the revealing of those types in the New Testament. And the, and the Old Testament is filled with those things, just filled with them. They're, they're, they're inexhaustible, practically. And as, and as one old saying put it, I, I don't know who to attribute it to, but they said that the New Testament is enfolded in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is unfolded in the New. And there's another phrase that says, the New is in the Old contained, and the Old is by the New explained. So there's this, there's this woven uh, tapestry between the Old and the New Testament. And some of the types, some of the types are just um, they're just, uh, well, I, you know, Brother Jed and I have ministries to these 
uh, these homes where old people are. And I was amazed the other the other week. I brought out some some comparisons about the old and the new. And I was amazed at the attention. I think they they probably had just not heard things like that. But, for example, Joseph in the Old Testament is a type of Christ. And Joseph and Christ, they had so many things in common. For example, they were both loved by their father. And, and we read that in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought to his father their evil report. And the Bible says this. In Genesis 37 and verse 3, now Israel, Jacob, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And then we come to the New Testament and we see, we see this love, this love that Jacob had for his son, Joseph. We come to the New Testament, and we see the same thing we, in a different person, in the person of Christ. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus told him, Suffer it to be so now for it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness then he suffered him he baptized him and Jesus when he was baptized went up straightway out of the water and lo the heavens were opened unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and lo a voice from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So that's a, that's a type. Joseph and Christ, they were both loved by their father. And not only that, but strangely enough, they were both hated by their brethren. And and we read about that in, again in Genesis, you, if you want to mark the references, but I'm not going to take the time to turn to because most, many of you, if not all of you, know and have heard the story. They, they were both loved by their father, but they were both hated by their brethren. And it says in Genesis 37, 3, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all their, his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably 
to him. Joseph was hated of his brethren. He was loved of his father, but he was hated of his brethren. And in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus says this, if the world hate you, and it does, and the more we're living for Christ, the more the world will hate us. And if a church is standing for Christ and for his word and for the things, that the, the more the world will hate that church. Jesus said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Christ, uh, uh, Joseph, a, a, a type of Christ in the Old Testament, loved of his father, hated by this world. And we also see another aspect that the claims, the claims of Joseph, the claims of Christ were both rejected. They were rejected by their brethren. And it says that Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, here, I pray you the this dream that I've dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and did obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and his words. You know, that's something that we can relate to. We tell the people of this world about the need of a savior. Are they happy to hear that message? No, they're not. I mean, some are, but it seems like it's getting fewer and fewer. I've seen some recent articles in, in uh, online and, in, in, and even I think even on a television that, that churches in America are diminishing. They're fewer and fewer and fewer. Churches are becoming a, something of the past in this nation. So in John chapter 15... Jesus said this about the hatred of his of the brethren. He said, "If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass that the world might be that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without a cause." They had absolutely no cause. That's, that's quite an amazing statement. There was no cause for anybody in this world to hate the Lord Jesus. 
But it did come to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And then the psalmist said, let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. And we see yet another similarity. They were both loved by their father. They were both hated by their brethren. The claims of both were rejected. And also we see how in both cases with Joseph and with Christ, the brethren, their brothers, and they were brothers, Joseph's brothers, and and Christ's brethren, the nation of Israel, both of them conspired against them to slay them, to kill them. In Genesis chapter 37 and verse 12, and it's just a very, uh, it's just a very blessing uh, study. It says that Joseph's brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send thee unto them. And he said unto him, here am I. Joseph said, here am I. And he said, go, I pray thee, and see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And you probably remember this story. A certain man found Joseph wandering around in the field. And the man asked Joseph, what seekest thou? And Joseph said, I'm, I'm seeking my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, they departed from here. I heard them say that they were going to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, before he ever came near to them, they saw him afar off. They said, That's Joseph. That's Joseph coming. And the Bible says, before, before he even came near them, they, they, they conspired against him to slay him. Well, they were filled with hatred. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh, and now let us therefore slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say that some evil beast devoured him. And we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But Reuben... Reuben kind of delivered, says he delivered him out of his hands, and Reuben said, let's not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into that pit in the, in the, in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him. 
that he might be rid that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver them him back again to his father. And it came to pass when Joseph was come to his brethren, they stripped Joseph. They stripped Joseph of his coat of many colors. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty and there was no water in it. They conspired to kill Joseph just in the same way that they conspired to kill Christ. There's, there's such a similarity of them. Because when we come to Christ, we read in the New Testament that the chief priests, they all assembled together, and the scribes and the elders of the people and to the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas. And they consulted, they consulted that they might take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Man, this Joseph and the Lord Jesus, they are... There's a, there's a there's a there's a connection between these two men. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 35 and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots. And sitting down they watched him. They sat down near the cross and just watched him. And they set up the accusation over his head, this is Jesus, king of the Jews. But another similarity, both Joseph and Christ became a blessing to the Gentiles. That's you and me, unless you're Jewish. Joseph... And Christ both became a blessing to the Gentiles, and they both gained a Gentile bride. What a similarity. What a similarity. The Bible says of Christ, husbands, in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. And Ephesians goes on to say, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. The Lord loves his church, and he nourishes it. 
and he cherishes it. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. We are members of his body, the body of Christ, the church, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ in the church. And Joseph reconciled his brethren to himself, and afterwards he exalted them. That's one of my favorite stories of of the Bible because the the drama of it, the the Joseph concealing his identity and it's just a fascinating story to me. And and how he how he revealed himself to them and and I and I can only picture the thoughts of their minds the moment that they realize this is Joseph this is Joseph and you know that's going to happen when the nation of Israel is saved in one day they're going to realize that Jesus Christ is the one that they nailed upon the tree. The Bible says that um, Joseph finally, and you know the story, he he couldn't refrain himself. He, he, He acted out this up to a point and then he couldn't. You know, there's, the Lord is one day not going to refrain himself anymore, but he's going, to, he's going to come and he's going to reveal himself to us. And Joseph said, cause every man to go out from me. And, and there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians and the house heard and, and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said, I am Joseph. I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said, come near to me. And they came near and he said, I'm I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. And he He comforted them. He said, don't be grieved or angry with yourselves that you sold me, but God did send me here to preserve life. And he explained to them that there's been this famine for two years and there's yet yet, uh, five more years. And God sent me here and and Joseph had laid up corn in these storehouses that they just left off counting it. They just 
There was no purpose to count it. It was so much. And all the world came to the land of Egypt. And they came to, they didn't come to Pharaoh. They came to Joseph. <laughs> so he sent and had his father and Benjamin brought down. And in Romans, to conclude this, in Romans we read that um, in chapter 11, Paul said, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Sure seemed like it. Sure seemed like it. God forbid. For I am also an Israelite, the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. And Paul went on to tell them, at this present time, there's a remnant. According to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath attained it, and the rest were blinded. And... And Paul goes on to develop this truth. And Paul says that God gave them the spirit of slumber. That they, their eyes couldn't see, they, their ears couldn't hear until this very day as Paul's writing this Roman epistle. And he said, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall... Salvation is come to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. And then he says this in verse 12. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness, when the fullness of the comes in, And so there's beautiful types, and it's just God's word is is it's it's alive, it's living, and we need a a relationship with it, a daily relationship. And of all the stories, uh, that one about Solomon to me. It's just uh, every time I read it, I'm just amazed. So I hope these few words have sparked an interest in, in your heart. That when you leave here tomorrow or sometime this week, you can say, you know, I think I'm missing something that is, is very important in my life. I think I'll open my Bible and read a chapter and just, and just sit down and say, God, 
I'm just here and can you, t- can you teach me something? And God will. He will do that. And if you come back again the next day or the, later in the week and say, God, it's me again. Uh, can you teach me something? And line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. And, and he'll just build up this wonderful love in your heart for this book. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank thee for the Bible. We thank you for your precious word. And we know, Lord, that uh, as the priests of old, as the scribes, they were to preserve your word. And we know that if priests in these days, we are those who are to defend your word and, and preserve your word and study your word. And we just thank you that we can gather here tonight and hear these thoughts, and we pray that you'll bless these thoughts to each of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.